Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I am your host, Cannabis Sativa. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and would like to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at ICSativaPodcast. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Anchor FM, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes as rating and reviewing us can bump up the pod in their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a supporter of this podcast and support us. We plan on doing big things with this humble little project, such as going to trade shows, visiting other MMJ or recreational states, and doing on-field work. And by supporting us, this helps us to keep the lights on, pay for rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. And you can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am Cannabis Sativa Podcast slash support. Again, that is www.anchor.fm slash I am Cannabis Sativa Podcast slash support. And you can also check out our newly minted um, page on Patreon. We're now on Patreon now. Um, and you can check us out as at www.patreon.com slash IC Sativa Podcast. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. And we also have a $5 tier if you're feeling extra generous. Any little bit helps, and we would really appreciate your support if you have the funds to do so. Hello, everyone. Um, hope you guys are having a very good Saturday. Um, it's 11.18 a.m. in Legal Grass, Massachusetts, the heartland of America. Um, so we have a very, very special episode for you guys. Um, so we did a, um, story and we did an episode, um, I think a week ago or so, or a week and a half ago, you know, time is just becoming a flat circle in my eyes, but, um, I digress, but, um, but we did an episode a, a little while ago about a company called Memories on Hand, which, um, what they do is that they make they make memory rings, you know, based off of, you know, um, various things you send to them. So you could send them items of your deceased loved ones. You could send them cre cre cremated remains of your deceased loved ones. You know, you could send sort of like, you know, like trophies from like a from like your your, your grandfather or whatever that that won an award way back in the day. And you want to want to try to remember his legacy or you can send trophies or of your grandmother and, and, and you know, try to remember her legacy. And then they 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 take these bits and pieces that you send them. And they put them in, they make them into a commemorative ring that you can use to remember your said loved ones. And it's it's very, very beautiful and fascinating. And I'm just going to read a blurb about them. And um, I'm going to interview, I'm going to introduce um, our guest that we interviewed um, yesterday, um, Justin Summers, who was the, who's the owner and operator of um, Mem Memories on Hand. So I'm just going to read a little bit about what they're about. And then I'm going to read Justin Summers' 
bio and then I will leave you with the episode and I hope you guys all enjoy. So, okay, so Memories on Hand is a Prince Edward Island company that creates beautiful and unique handcrafted rings and designs allowing customers to keep their memories of special occasions close on hand. Specializing in a variety of different crafting styles including bentwood, stainless steel, acrylic, and other metals as well as our memorial and cremation ring designs preserving memories into keepsakes. Memories on hand thrives on thrives to exceed customer expectation and satisfaction of quality with our product ensuring that each keepsake will stand to the test of time to be passed on generation through generation. Justin Summers, owner and operator. Justin Summers is a passionate, honest, and loyal and engaging personality that can get along and respect to everyone and everyone no matter the different walks of life. Justin Summers prides himself in ensuring that customer service and respect to emotions are priority are priority number one at all times. Quote, first and foremost, thank you for checking out our website. I am very honored to be a part of such a rewarding company with Bradley. Together, we see different walks of life and have the privilege of creating keepsakes and heirlooms of each special moment along the way. Meeting the customers that I have and hearing the memories of significant events or people that I am constantly overwhelmed with a mixture of emotions. From celebrating the birth of a new child to commemorating the cremated remains of a loved one. It is a true honor to be a part of these special moments. Once again, thanks again for browsing our website. And I can't wait to hear about your story, Justin Summers. So without further ado, I'm going to present the interview that we had. It's roughly 43, 44 minutes long. You're going to enjoy all of it. And um, without further ado, here's the interview. Justin. It is me again. How goes it? Good. I finally rolled up. Awesome. Glad to hear that you're safe. Now that I'm... uh parked, I can recreationally smoke. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. <clears throat> How's things down in your neck of the world? Uh, pretty good. Um, it's getting sort of warm out, which is nice, and um, less rain, which is also good. Yep, us too. Gotta love that eastern seaboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so, um, how, so could you sort of like explain to the audience, um, what, what your story was, um, what, what got you and, and, um, your partner into the artisan sort of business? So actually, uh, first and foremost, uh, Bradley is my business partner, Bradley Gallant, and he is the artist. Uh, I have tried my hand many times at making uh, memorial jewelry, and I don't have the hand for it. So we found that our traits complement each other because he's a fantastic artist, and I'm very good at running business. So we work together in that sense. Awesome. 
so um were there like were there things that sort of drew you to to this sort of business or like what 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 sort of motivated you so kind of uh in a nutshell uh bradley had created a ring and posted it on social media uh bradley and i have been friends for as long as i can remember and I said, that's beautiful. I think you're on to something. And then he did another one for a co-worker of his uh, using her son's cremated remains in it. And then I said, we're really on to something here. Let's make a business out of this. And he said, no, a bit a million times. And I had to sit him down and explain exactly why it is viable business. And eventually he said, okay, Justin, let's give it a shot. So uh, that's kind of how... I got involved was just pretty much the beautiful work that he does. Uh, Brad got involved just out of the passion of creating items that people care for. So uh, together, we kind of melded together and became a memorial company off those traits alone. Wow, um, it's, it's such a great friend for um, encouraging your friend to, that his ideas ideas are are very good and could be um could could mean a lot to a lot of people and we're we're seeing sort of the end result of that. Yes, exactly. So um in in terms of like like the customers you have, I'm I'm sure you have like a sort of like a wide ranging like group of customers whether it's, you know, younger people like us um trying to get rings to remember relatives whether it's um you know, um, people trying to people trying to commemorate a special event, or you know, um, but w- one thing that I was sort of curious about is, um, do you have any like, do you ha- remember any stories of of you having to like, um, of or of you create crafting a ring for like maybe like a departed military vet or like someone's World War Two or, or like relative or something like that? Yeah. So currently, uh. We haven't we haven't released a design in that fashion yet, uh, but we're totally honored and super excited to be working on a design of that nature. Uh, we have a customer who uh, is a retired military vet themselves uh, and come from a long generation of military vets. Uh, so now uh, the client is sending us uh, clippings of the medals that were awarded to each of them. And we're combining them into a Damascus-style uh, band, and we're going to be making a World War II memorabilia uh, memory ring. So that's pretty cool, and we're like super, super honored to work on that project. Wow, that's 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 very exciting. Like the yeah, so it's going to be like a multi-generational thing. So uh, you know, the clients, the client's father, and and his father before him uh, will all be put into one specific military design which is uh which is really cool in our eyes wow yeah um just it's it's really like heart heartwarming when you you see um you, you see stories like that you know of of, pe- of of people with just long and story histories and you know younger younger generations and older generations alike sort of you know trying to preserve that history when it was very when it's very good it's very noble history yeah, like even uh, even today, uh, we just finished another design for a client, and uh, uh, same thing. We're kind of going with a general, like a like a multi generation 
uh, aspect to the design. So the customer had provided a pocket watch that was his grandfather's. Uh, we opened the pocket watch up and removed some of the gears and sprockets, and we're able to put that into a new ring using the, the little tiny gears and little tiny sprockets, put that into a design with his grant, with his father's wedding ring and his agricultural graduation ring. So, like, now, same thing. There's three generations coming into one design. So we get, we get to hear lots of awesome history and lots of awesome... Uh, stories. Uh, some of them are not so nice. Some of them are beautiful. Some of them will move you to tears. Like it's, uh, we get to see a lot of different walks of life in our business. Wow, that's a, that's, that's amazing. Um, you know, like I, I always like like um, like I mean, I mean, I know what I do can't really compare to what you guys do, but I like when I'm reading like different like stories across like the U.S. and like across you know Canada and stuff. It's just I I just I just love working with different, learning different histories or learning different things about different areas of the country and different areas of Canada even, and yeah. Must be it must be it must be great to just be doing different stuff and learning about different people all the time. I'll, I'll tell you, my uh, my history teacher would be awfully proud because I didn't do too well in his history class, but look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like and and likewise, I'm like sort of. I'm sort of like I wasn't like the best in math. Like I, I, I took I think calculus in college, but I needed help all throughout it. And um, now, like I'm like interpreting, like I'm I'm looking at like statistics. I'm having to memorize like you know the patient counts in like certain states and stuff. So I'm like using a lot of statistics now. Yeah, exactly. So like you kind of you kind of find a passion for something, and that's when your teachings really really shine through. Definitely. Um, so, so to sort of, um, so to sort of um, pivot to um, like um, like other things um, in terms of um, the rings that you create. I hear that you create um, rings out of um, cannabis for uh, people in within the borders of Canada. Is that is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was kind of funny how that product. Uh, has worked in our arsenal of products that we offer because uh, both Bradley and I uh, were supporters of legalization uh, in for cannabis in Canada. So whenever uh, they finally came through with the framework and said, this is the date that we're going to be legalizing cannabis in Canada, we said, well, we're in a commemorative business. We should probably make a commemorative piece uh, of history here. So we went down to the uh, cannabis shop here in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island on opening day, and we bought a jar of legal recreational cannabis. And we brought it back to our shop, and and we ended up putting it into, uh, into a commemorative ring just to kind of timestamp uh, that change of laws and, and you know, that piece of history in Canada. Uh, and then, and then from there, uh, same thing, we posted it on social media and it kind of took off amongst the cannabis cultured people. They're saying, oh, this is awesome. I can't believe you guys are making cannabis rings. Uh, 
how do I get my own cannabis ring, et cetera, et cetera. So really a one-off product for our company turned into a whole, uh, a whole kind of entity on its own almost. So uh, there's been a very, very high demand for our legalization rings. Uh, mostly people who are growing themselves now that it's legal to grow here in Canada. And, uh, and they're kind of sending us their first grows or, you know, their special strains. And we can put them into a design for them to have forever. Wow. Um, so it's like, um, like I remember like when my state um, first um, legalized or whatever, and most of the states that legalized, like there was like, um, like they would like on the news, like on like every news station, like the state or whatever, they would talk about like the first cost, the first marijuana customer or the first adult use customer. And, uh, <laughs> and um, like in like, and then they'll show them with like their product that they bought or whatever. And some, some of them are like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to save it or whatever to commemorate that. But it's like this, like, I mean, that, that sort of pales in comparison to like, like a legalization ring. Like you may have gotten the first product, but I have a legalization ring from memories on hand. Uh, Literally on your hand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you guys like, I, I mean, I, I just wanted to ask, but like, do you guys sort of have a, um, previous can, um, sort of history with, with cannabis? And if so, like how long and was it for medical or adult use? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, myself, uh, uh I speak for me personally, I would, uh, let Brad kind of sing his own song to his, uh, adventures with cannabis in his lifetime too. Um, but Myself, personally, I've been a medicinal patient for the previous five years. And uh, so, I mean, the legalization didn't really change too much in my life. It more or less just helped other people who didn't have a prescription uh, to carry and possess and, and consume cannabis. Uh, but I had been using uh, CBD oils for the last three years consecutively every day. Uh, half a milliliter in the morning, half a milliliter at night. Uh, you know, I've, I come from a background in carpentry uh, with uh, a specialty in concrete. So my joints weren't always in uh, the best shape from being on your hands and knees all day working concretes or anything like that. So there were some ailments with the body. And I've tried... Uh, you know, prescription medications from my doctors saying, you know, try this pill or try that pill. And really all I found was it made me sleepy or, you know, it, it's kind of had like uh, more side effects than benefits. So uh, I finally uh, found a company who uh, offered medicinal scripts and consultations with nurse practitioners and doctors here in Canada uh, I got in touch with them. I spoke to a nurse practitioner for a very lengthy amount of time. I would say it was probably it was probably an hour consultation, uh, which you know in the medical industry it's usually get you in, get you out. But this person actually kind of took the time to care about me and find what was going to work out for me in a run of a day. So. Uh, I sat down with them. They they wrote me a script, and and I contacted my licensed producer, and I've been getting my medicine in the mail uh, via Canada Post, 
uh, every two weeks, and it's been awesome. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally feel how that is. Uh, my, like my, my day job, like, uh, actually my night job is like sort of warehouse related. So I'm having to rub CBD on, on my, on my feet particularly every day. And it's, it's, it's a godsend. Yeah. Big time. Like, uh, like CBD really changed my life. <clears throat> when I first started taking, uh, CBD oils, it was more of a, like a, like a poly blend. So there was a lot of THC in with it as well. So, uh, there was times where I was, uh, uh, catching a buzz or, you know, being inebriated by the cannabis THC. So I, I opted to move down to a 100% CBD oil. So I don't get that buzz. So I can still get my medicinal benefits from the plant and live an active daily lifestyle uh, without without being constantly under the fear that I'm going to be driving down the streets and get nailed for an impaired or something like that because uh, that's that's something that uh, they're really kind of looking out for here in Canada now is a lot of people who are driving under the influence of marijuana and cannabis so uh, that's that's certainly something that's changed my life so I can continuously work. And, and still be getting my medicinal benefits without uh, impeding on anything else. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't blame you. I would. I'd sort of. In 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 my neck of the woods, are trying to like pass a law very similar to what I've been reading in Canada, where like if they suspect that you, like the metabolites of of, of cannabis are in your system, then they can take away your car and I think license like like off the bat like before the trial or whatever so it's like they're trying to push a similar thing here so that that was kind of another thing that uh i don't know i wouldn't i don't fully agree with is these roadside saliva tests that uh that the uh royal canadian mounted police the rcmp uh uses uh whenever they think somebody is impaired uh there's been a couple of tests come back from various private companies saying, uh, you know, these saliva tests can also give off false readings too. Uh, it can tell you, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's THC or there's CBD or, you know, some sort of cannabis in your system, but it doesn't give you a time frame. So here in Canada, they don't recommend you go for a drive for six hours after you've smoked a joint. So, uh, you know, if, if somebody, went for a drive an hour and a half or sorry, six and a half hours after they smoked a joint, there's still going to be trace amounts in the saliva. So they can give false readings saying, yeah, this person is impaired when really they still were abiding by the laws, uh, waited the six hours, but everybody's body is different. So you can't, you can't generalize everybody with one test. Exactly. Yeah, it just tests for like the metabolites, not like whether you're impaired at the time. And for someone like maybe you or someone like, no, I'll, I'll just speak for me, but for someone like me who has sort of a tolerance to THC and who like, mm-hmm. like yeah, and like if let's say I, 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 I smoked like, like two hours or three hours ago, I can be sober in three hours. Like it's, you know, but yes, they don't exactly. factor that. No, and and I think it's I think a lot of that has to do with uh, 
the people who are making these laws aren't the people who are participating in these uh, movements. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, um, in 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 my certain neck of the wood, it, woods, it's like, um, like okay, so our the leader of our of our individual state are in high, high people in high positions of power in our state told us to not legalize three years ago and then we voted to legalize anyway and the leaders as a result um would accept with exception would of, of one of the members of the cannabis um controller enforcement board all all the members that the these politicians appointed were like anti-cannabis and the pro-cannabis like control board um person that like oversees suggestions for rules you know how where the dispensaries will be you know that sort of stuff she like only one of them is pro-cannabis and the rest she she gets outvoted by the anti-cannabis people like every single time it's like it's just it's frustrating i think that kind of comes back on the population a little bit for keeping these people in a position of power even though the general population has voted to legalize, that has been the main consensus. All these people who are in power and are voting against it, are they voting for the people or are they voting on their own personal beliefs? That's where things get a little kind of hairy and stuff like that because realistically, those people in power were voted in to work for the people. So if the people voted to legalize in the states, <clears throat> than the than the members who are representing the population, they should be voting to they should be voting to uh, be pro cannabis in that sense because they're representing the population. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I totally agree. Um, would you say that it's like as a result of like maybe like. Because in like the United States, like we we often hear, oh, it's like the elderly people that do the majority of the voting. That young people don't vote enough, and you know, like these local elections can sort of be in like off years, and like or 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 can be swept swept under the radar, and then younger people don't see it. So, do you think it's more of a result of of that, like the older people outvoting younger people, or like what would you say is the is the cause? I think. I- a worldwide problem is that a lot of people in their younger years, uh, things have been, you know, being happening for them their whole life from the time they're birthed until the time they're legal age to vote. So a lot of people don't have this interest in, uh, you know, utilizing their voice and representing themselves on a political stage. So a lot of people kind of tend to not vote. But the older you get, the more you understand that the world works in a different way. These people are here to represent you. You're the voice, right? So, uh, yeah, I would say we have that problem in Canada, too, with younger voter turnout and stuff like that. Uh, There's obviously been this weird agenda happen over the last few years where people uh, just don't vote. They say, oh, why why do I have to waste my time going down there to vote? Nothing's going to change anyways. Because there's this mindset that uh, the political powers are set by higher-ups, and it doesn't matter whether you voice your opinion or not. But that's really not true. If everybody voiced their opinion, then you would actually get a true democracy. Yeah, I 
to- I'm totally with you on that. Um, it's um, it's something I'm trying to. It's some like I I I vote like most of the like the vast majority of the time. I think I've only missed one election in my time voting, but um, even in yeah. like. The lower, even the lower like elections, like the statewide elections, I usually vote. And then for president, I've only yeah. So it's it voting definitely does help. And um, um, like a, is there a sort of like it's a different format in Canada than it is in the states too. Like uh, like we vote on a municipal level and select mayors and like councils, and then uh, we vote on a provincial level where we you know, vote for people to take care of the province, and then we vote on a federal level where we vote for people to take care of the country. Yeah. Yeah, pretty similar to how we sort of do things. Um, so would you say that, um, like, how do you, like, like how, how do we, like, like, people our age, maybe people a little bit older, how do, how do we sort of get, like, a youth movement or something like that to get people that represent the 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 views the majority's views rather than just their own personal biases i think that's a million dollar question uh i don't know the 100 percent exact answer to solve all of that but i i think a lot of it comes down to the foundation of education and young people one thing in canada that was very important whenever they were legalizing was youth and child safety uh, and being predisposed to cannabis. Uh, there is lots of scientific evidence that you should stay away from cannabis until your brain is developed. So that that's one thing that they really pushed here on legalization, that we're, we're doing this to keep people safe in the sense of we're not going to have our youth going to some sketchy drug dealer who's selling everything under the sun and has some cannabis too, uh, we want them to be able to have it from a safe and reliable source with all the educational material that comes with it. Why you're using this strain, why you're using this uh, uh, consumption method or, you know, anything like that. So it's, uh, it kind of comes down to education. You have to educate the youth. And, uh, and that's always been a very hard thing to do no matter where you are in the world. It's, you can tell, you can tell somebody this is the right way, but a teenager knows better. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they, you know, they live life and then, you know, get to their thirties like, like us and then realize they're not invincible and that their elders were trying to exactly. tell them something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I'd be much better off if I had to listen to my father when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> different strokes. <laughs> yeah, different strokes for different folks. That's right. Um. So. Um. Sort. So. Um. Like, what are like? Um. What, what, like, I know you mentioned that you're a medical patient. So, could you sort of like, if you can, like. To describe like how the medical process works like I, I mean i know you could probably only speak to prince edward island but um just like how, actually, how, how I yeah I, I actually became a medical patient when i was living in alberta so i was in the western end of canada at that point um, so the process for me personally uh there was a company that offered this online consultation app so they would pretty you would pretty much sign up 
they would screen you. You'd have to send them a picture of your ID to make sure it was you and all this sort of stuff. And um, they would screen you and then set up a Skype call. So it was what they're calling uh, telemedicine, I guess is the appropriate word for it. So you would have a consultation with a nurse practitioner uh, via Skype or a FaceTime um, interview pretty well. So my my nurse practitioner that I met with was actually in Ontario. So they were in central Canada. So I was in the western end of Canada. I had a consultation with a nurse practitioner in central Canada. And then, uh, and then we spoke about my ailments. And she said, well, maybe let's try this. We'll try it for X amount of time, see how it's working. And then we'll do a follow-up consultation to see if it's working for you. So I was first prescribed uh, oil for my ailments and uh, that oil was a poly blend like I had mentioned before and I found it really wasn't working for me so on the next consultation with my nurse practitioner I said "Eh, I'm not really liking the uh, THC content Uh, which by the way I had full range of uh, either choosing straight THC straight CBD or a poly blend uh, via my licensed producer but I, I had mentioned it to her, and she said, well, let's maybe try and just do a 100% CBD for you. And sure enough, off of her guidance, I found what worked for me. Uh, so once I had my script, uh, they they sent my prescription to a licensed producer of my choice in Canada. And uh, I called the licensed producer. They screened me, made sure it was me who was calling. They had my prescription there, and they said, okay, Mr. Summers, you can... You can have up to 30 grams of uh, dry flour in your possession at a time. Uh, You can only order one month worth of your script at a time. Uh, So I I had a prescription for five grams a day. Uh, I never even came close to using five grams a day. Uh, But they, they would sell me up to 30 grams at a time up to my prescription filled for a month. So... Uh, and that all came through Canada Post. It was it was unbelievable. It was really surreal because, uh, you know, I'd been a cannabis user in the black market days as well. And uh, to think that I could go online and speak to somebody who cared and had a educational background, uh, get a prescription, order my order my medicine online and have it shipped to my door was unbelievable. It, it, it was, it, it almost seemed like, uh, like a cannabis user's dream world. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so it, so it wasn't a hard process I'm taking. It was pretty like straightforward. Uh, it was pretty straightforward for the most part. I did have to take a few, uh, uh, pre screening, uh, uh, um, I don't know what the word for it is, like worksheets and stuff like that. Like they have a selection of questions that you answer, and based on your answers, they can kind of pre screen you to see if there was any, uh, you know, abuse history, like substance abuse history, uh, any predisposition to addictions. Uh, uh, you know, any predisposition to uh, a mental illness or uh, anything of that sort, bipolarism or anything uh, of that sense. So uh, I wouldn't say it was 
easy. It wasn't right away. It was probably took me three or four business days to get everything kind of ironed out and, and working. But overall, the general uh, the general flow of everything was very smooth. Okay. So, so I'm taking it's just like it's it's just people, just that a lot of people just can maybe prefer the convenience of the black market is why, um, well, like if if the process is like pretty straightforward or whatever, but you have a lot of people that just go on the black market. Do you think it's people just rather just oh I could just call my guy and boom it's there? Or... <clears throat> yes and no. Uh, some people aren't in the financial position to buy their medicine up front. Uh, so yeah, they go to the black market because they have $20 and they're going to go buy enough cannabis to have a few joints for the week or something like that. I'm sure that happens all the time, but the biggest reason that people still participate in the black market is mostly due to the regulations on strains and genetics and concentrates and and all of that sort of stuff. Edibles, like I, I just seen that the Canada, Canadian government came out with some more framework on edibles uh, today. I haven't had the chance to read the article, but uh, they came out with some more framework there. But uh, like, there's a lot of strains and genetics that are very popular on the black market uh, that aren't available on the legal market. So people will constantly be looking for a better strain or, you know, a higher THC count or whatever their preference is. And and you're pretty restricted on what's available legally at these uh, government stores. Wow. Wow, yeah. It's like, it's it's kind of like, I mean, we're sort of having like mm. similar, like, um, pro- <laughs> I, I call it growing pains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, we're having similar sort of uh issues um with um our sort of legalization where like um you know the like we only have like 20 stores in 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 our, in our state, I think 2021 20, stores out of like the population of almost 7 million people and it's just like they're they're slow rolling the, the sort of process and like um it's just it's it's really expensive right now and like so many people are like on the black market and um it's you know i i recently had a buddy like share their grow which was really really appreciated but like the prices here like even for medical are just like off the charts it's like 15 a gram it's like i have to sort of I have to be strategic about where where I go and like you know which which locations are doing good deals and just but yeah like like medical patients but, are sort of guy in the black market is ten dollars straight up per gram right like and if you buy some more you're you're getting a better deal that's that's one thing that the government really uh lacked on here was bulk quantity orders uh so if I go to go legal spot to purchase uh, cannabis here in Canada, I have to pay per gram. No matter how many grams I'm buying, I'm paying per gram. If I go to Steve or Joe, who lives down the street, and they're a black market dealer, if I'm buying a gram, okay, I'm paying $10. If I'm buying a an eighth, I'm paying $30. If I'm buying a quarter, I'm paying 45 You know what I mean? So, like, you kind of get that deal 
But the more you buy, the better deal you get. You don't get that with the legalization. Wow. So even though my prescription says that, yeah, Justin, you can have five grams a day, uh, I'm, I'm paying for five single grams by the time it's said and done on the invoice. I'm, I'm being billed for individual grams instead of, say, five grams straight up. Yeah, like they really need to like, like, um, like a lot of states need to sort of, or just like our our kind, like our countries need to sort of like work these things out a bit better. Like, um, it's you know, like the 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 pricing is yeah, going totally. to. Like, and we're gonna be and we're gonna be forefront on the world stage when it comes to other countries looking at legalizing or decriminalizing cannabis. Canada is is certainly a leader in that sense. There, there's a few other countries that are also in the same boat, but like we're, we're world leaders at this point for uh, decriminalizing and, and or sorry, rescheduling a schedule one drug. Yeah. Like all, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's like a lot of pressure because like all eyes are on where, where we're at, like the first few States, the first few, or, or all of Canada or in like, in even the end in like the individual provinces, especially like I heard like, like like across the board, there's just been sort of shortages and not enough supply to meet the demand. But I hear in like Ontario or whatever, where like Toronto is, is like like didn't they just say there was only going to be like like thirty stores or something like that, or at first thirty legal yeah, stores? Yeah, thirty stores for all of Ontario. That is crazy. Like that is beyond not enough. And and the big thing, uh, this is just kind of my personal rant here, but. The thing that really got me is I'm a big believer in privatization. Uh, you know, I don't think everything needs to be government-run, uh, but every every province in Canada pretty well, uh, I believe, safe for British Columbia, maybe, uh, but everything is government-owned and operated whenever it comes to the cannabis stores. So the government knows that there is revenue to be made, uh, you know, you're going to make a profit selling cannabis uh, because it is a high sought, highly sought-after commodity. Uh, so they wanted to control every aspect from the growing to the distribution to the testing to the sales, uh, everything, have, have their hand in every bit of it so they can make the money. But in a place like Ontario, uh, with the population of whatever it be, I'm, I'd be lying if I tried to tell you a number, uh, but for 30 stores for that whole province, that is almost a slap into the, into the face of anybody who was a founding father entrepreneur in the cannabis space who wanted to open a shop and make a legal uh, you know, career out of helping people acquire their medicine or even just for recreational use. Uh, these people have been waiting for the laws to change forever, and then whenever the laws did change, it was only to favor the government. Yeah, like it's just, just gets me so upset. Like, like I read like all the like all like I read about can I read about the states and like like small like I know so many small time I know so many small time like growers whether it's through like my through social media through um. <laughs> you know, personally or 
whatever and like or, or and i have like a caregiver as well i don't know if you guys in canada have caregivers but yeah uh, I, I had a caregiver my prescription too yeah i would love i would love for my i would love for my caregiver i love i would love for her to be able to like go to be able to go legal or whatever or sell her stuff at a at, at like a dispenser and then profit off this like new economy but it's just seeming like the governments in both our countries are like rigging it so like only the millionaires can do it and then like like average people like you and me can't get a foothold in the or they they put roadblocks for you and me and and the people that help the pioneers that helped get us to where we were and took the risk and whatnot yeah exactly so like all these people who went to went to prison are pretty much you know martyrs of the cannabis community uh you know everybody who got sent a sentence for possessing you know one gram of marijuana uh these people are now uh the ones who are suffering Meanwhile, everybody else who stayed on the sidelines and just so happens to have more money, they now get to control the industry. So, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised in that. That seems to happen in a lot of uh, a lot of different fashions in the government. But uh, it's certainly sad to see. Absolutely. So, um, so I know that you're a, a, a very busy guy. So, um. I'll just like wrap up with just two more questions. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, so what, so what would you say are your favorite like cannabis resources, whether it's podcasts, whether it's like YouTube or what have you? Uh, I would be lying if I said podcasts because, uh, I was only recently introduced to podcasts. I'm a, uh, I'm a person who's learning as I go here, so like podcasts are a new thing for me. Uh, but I would certainly say that uh, the internet has been the biggest uh, source of information for everything. Uh, whenever it comes to researching what company is doing what, uh, you know, what's a review on this strain? There's a company here in Canada called Lifting Co. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of them. Uh, yep. But they put out they put out strain reviews and and you know people are uh, literally testing these products to give you their feedback and say like this is what this strain did for me or this is what this oil did for me uh, you know this is how it tasted this is how it looked et cetera et cetera so I mean those sort of platforms are amazing for uh, people who aren't uh, already currently involved in the cannabis space or people who have always been told it's a bad thing and have stayed away from it because they're law-abiding citizens. Uh, but now that, now that it's legalized here in Canada, we find, like myself personally, uh, that there is a lot of older people, uh, I would say 60 and up, who are now coming out of the closet, so to speak, or coming out of the woodwork, and say, hey, I'm also an active cannabis user, or hey, I'd actually like to give it a try because it may actually help me in my in my aging body or whatever it be. So, yeah, we're seeing the we're seeing the same sort of thing here. Like, um, you know, there's just like like every time like like I, I haven't been on the adult use side. I've been to medical dispensaries. I'm, I'm always I'm almost yep. always the youngest person there. It's like 
people at least 50 yeah. or up. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's, 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 yeah, but I, I, I usually find like those like strain reviews, uh, websites really like helpful because like, you know, back in the day when it was like, <laughs> I mean, or just, just a few years ago when it was just like, it wasn't legal or it was still just sort of like decrim or whatever, or, or it, like you didn't have access to which strains you can, which strains you were getting, or you couldn't look up what yeah. the effects of OG Kush were, or the terpenes or whatever. Now I'm like very like like as I'm older, I I want to keep track and keep control of everything I'm putting in my body. So like I I keep track of the strains that work, which terpenes were really great, you know, which like strains yeah. I can get. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do. I do have to get going here, though, Dan. I, 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 before we do let go, I want to say thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I really enjoy talking to like-minded people, and I think that you and I are very like-minded. Uh, we we both want to see the good in the world, and we want to see the laws change for the better of everybody. So, uh, thanks again for having me on. Thank, thank you. And um, is there anything? I really, really appreciate it. And. Is there just anything you want to plug as well, or? Uh, not, I mean, not really. Uh, Members on hand is uh, is our company. Uh, we're we're a new and upcoming company. We love hearing people's stories, and we'd love to hear yours too. So, feel free to check out our website www.memoriesonhand.com, uh, or you know, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of social media stuff. And, and we'd love to love to hear about certain creations that you may have in mind. Awesome. Um, it was, it was a pleasure to talk to you, Justin. Yeah. And likewise, Dan, thank you very much. We'll be in contact again for sure. Definitely. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, Mary, oh, Mary, don't you we tell the mother not to mourn? Mother, don't you mourn? Pharaoh's Up in my 
keeping me safe and dip my place. Say thanks to the gates and race without a chance to face the judge. And I got my soul with bugs. Grudge me cause there's no mercy for thugs. Ooh, what can I do? It's all about the family and how we do. Can I get a witness? Let it unfold. We live in our lives, we turn our soul. Hey, yeah. Tell me why. Hey, can somebody, anybody tell me why? 